take your attention to Acts chapter 2. While you're turning, I give honor to Brother Robbins. I love you so very much. Thank you for all that you are to me and what you mean to the apostolic faith. I'm very honored and humbled to be here tonight. And I just believe God's about to do something incredible in the house. I don't know about the rest of you, but I just feel like something good's about to happen in the house. If you ain't got the Holy Ghost tonight, you better be careful. You might just get the Holy Ghost tonight. I believe God's about to move in this place. Oh, my God. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. Everybody say one accord. And in one place, everybody say one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Everybody say each of them. And they were all filled, not just some folks. It says they were all filled. Oh, come on, say it with me. All filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, I told you it wasn't meant to be done in a corner. He said, when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I want to take you to another passage of scripture. Jeremiah chapter 6. Bless God. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also, I said, watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. See, this is, you better be careful when you get an attitude with the pastor. He's trying to help you when you don't see help. They said, but we will not hearken. Therefore, ye, therefore, hear ye nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. And then one more passage of scripture. That's Proverbs. That's chapter 22. I promise you, I'm not going to preach very long tonight, if you'll help me. He said, remove not the ancient landmark, which thy fathers have set. Tonight, I want to preach to you from this thought. What happened to the landmarks? What happened to the landmarks? Would you set your Bible down and stretch your hand toward this pulpit? And church, would we really begin to pray right now? Come on, I'm not going to pump you up. I'm not going to push you. But we need to pray right now that God would begin to move and speak in this house.
drive me behind the cross, God, so that I can be everything you need me to be tonight, God. Go before me, God, and touch this church, Lord. Touch these people, God. Oh, come on, church. Won't you lift your voice for just a moment? Come on, young people. Why don't you lift your voice for just a moment? God, do it. Speak in the house, God. Saturate us, God. Walk these aisles, Jesus. Be in every pew, God. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Now, before you get up in arms with me, I'm not about to preach a message of, of a whooping post. I'm not about to put everybody on the whipping post and hope that somebody gets it. I'm not, I'm not that kind of preacher, and I'm not going to do that to you tonight. I know that sometimes when the subject of the old landmarks come up, people get squeamish. They think, oh, it's a, another holiness message, or it's one of those where it's just going to be, all we're going to hear is the bad things we've been doing and none of the good things. But that's not what the landmarks are for, and that's not what I'm going to use the landmarks for. The Bible tells us that there are landmarks that God has given to his people. There are landmarks that have been set up. You understand tonight that a landmark not only tells you where you've been, but it tells you where you're going. So sometimes it takes a good look when you need to see where you're going. You need to maybe check the landmarks. Because if you're just going in circles and you keep seeing the same old landmark, you might be in trouble. But if you've wandered a little bit too far and you have nothing to reference, you are still in trouble. I pray to God tonight that somebody really grabs a hold of what I'm trying to preach because we cannot go forward until we understand where we've been and thank God for the old landmarks. Thank God for the elders that said, hey, this is how we do church. This is how we pray. This is how we preach. This is how we outreach. Thank God for elders. Let me tell you elders something in this room. It's not time for you to check out. It's not time for you to say, well, these young people don't want what I've got. The devil is a liar. I want what you had. I want the moving of God like you had it. I want, the, I want God to come into a room and fill people with the Holy Ghost before we even get the chance of laying hands on them. Why? Because that's a landmark of the Pentecostal church. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight. It's 7.33. Now, the time we get out is dependent on you. So, if you go ahead and start preaching with me, We'll get out. I told you that every night, and I promise you, I, I think I've upheld it. But tonight, I really want to drive home something for us. Somewhere along the way, the landmarks are being removed. People are uprooting what we have held dear as doctrine for so long. There are people that want to move away from those old ways because the old ways just don't work anymore. People say, well, you know, we might can't reach them if we preach it that way. And we might can't reach them. We've got to change the message just a little bit to accommodate the time. But I want to tell you something tonight, church. That ain't never going to work. It never has worked. I'm not changing the message for anybody. I'm going to preach the old landmark. And when my heart begins a little weary, I'm going to say, Lord, take me back to the old landmark where I make a new commitment. I've got to get back to the old landmark. 
got to get back to old-fashioned praying. I've got to get back to old-fashioned shouting. I've got to get back to old-fashioned preaching. We need the old landmarks. Because we understand something that the day of Pentecost is, is our foundation. That's where the church was birthed. And he said that they were all in one accord and in one place. One thing you've got to understand, one of the landmarks that Pentecost has is we've got to have unity. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what church you may be from. We've got to have unity among the brethren. I don't care what you think about this church or the church across town. We've got to have unity. God forbid we be called the United Pentecostal Church and we're not united. God said he wanted his people to be united. And and so we see now the the landmark of unity. Well, everybody wants to do their own thing, so we don't fellowship with those people, and we don't talk to those people. That's so so much stupidity I've heard in Pentecost as of late. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't care if your standard is stronger or weaker than mine. If you got the message. Do you have Jesus' name message? Do you have the oneness of God? Do you have the infilling of the Holy Ghost? That's what matters. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I like fellowshipping everybody. I like to go to everything because I like to see it. You know, but I'm going to tell you something. You can feel the difference sometimes. I, I, I'm, not coming to, I'm not coming to play around tonight. I, I, we need a move of God in this house. I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 ain't, I ain't been praying all day, and I ain't been fasting all day for us not to have a move of God in this room. So I, I don't know if you're going to get with me or not, but I'm going to have a move of God. You, you, if you don't want to move of God, you're dismissing the fear of the Lord. But for the rest of us that need a move of God, i, I got to have the Holy Ghost come into this room. I need the glory of God to come into this room. But I think it's so beautiful tonight because at least the three churches that I know of in Tupelo, Mississippi are represented in this house tonight. We got Cedar Grove in the house and we've got life at Tupelo in the house and we've got the mansion in the house. Hey, this is how we have revival in Tupelo, Mississippi. I don't care if my church is bigger than yours or not. We need revival. I don't care if you got more folks getting the Holy Ghost. Hey, come show me how to pray them through. become so disgusted with political Pentecost. I've become sickened by it. Hey, I'm not trying to get a position just in case you're wondering. I ain't got no license yet. I'm just trying to have revival. God help us, Jesus. I want to see God move in an unprecedented way. I believe the greatest revival that will ever hit the state of Mississippi will start right here in Tupelo. It's been prophesied that the greatest revival to ever hit the state of Mississippi would start right here in Tupelo. Some of you don't believe it, and that's a shame, but I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to believe it with all my might. I'm going to hold on and say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm right there. I want to be in the middle of it. 
Now, I will say this. I know I lost some of you when I say I ain't got no license. But, hey, I, I'll be official February 20th. You can count the days. I'm thankful to God for avenues that we can have revival. You know, one of the things that I love so much about this Pentecostal message is it was built on one simple message. We've got to be united. And when they got in one accord, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost began to move, and all of a sudden, they got a suddenly. Can I tell you that it is not any different today? We've still got to be united. We cannot get caught up in the stupidity of whether or not our church is better than your church. We're all still the church of the living God. I don't care what your name is. Well, hello, I don't care what side of town you're on. We're the church of the living God. Whether you like it or not, you're still my brother at the end of the day. You're still my sister at the end of the day. But we also see at Pentecost, many times when we've had incredible outpourings of the Holy Ghost, it was because people got so desperate for more than what they were experiencing. People got absolutely hungry for a move of God. They said, I can't keep going through the motions. I can't keep going through the mundane. I can't keep doing the same thing I've been doing. And so tonight, I, I thought to myself, well, God, how do you want me to explain this to the people? And I, I, as many of you may know, I'm a history nerd. I love history so much. And I talk about it quite often. And so one of the things that has enamored me is the history of the Pentecostal faith. Now, obviously, we understand the day of Pentecost, but then there is a modernized revival that has happened. It was the year 1899, a bunch of Bible college students, and you can put that picture up there, Maddie. It was a bunch of Bible college students gathered in Topeka, Kansas. They said, we, we, we've got to experience something more than what we have. These college students, they just gathered in a little room. And it was New Year's Eve, and they began to pray that God would begin to give them whatever it was they were missing. They had no clear understanding of what this Holy Ghost even was. They just said, we know that we're missing something, and we need it. And about that time, a lady by the name of Agnes Osmond, you can put her up there, it's a little older lady. But this picture, they're going to put up there, she's older in, in years, but... Sister Agnes Osmond, as the, as the tide began to change into 1900, she received that gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. She said she didn't understand what exactly it was, but she knew that what she had been looking for, she found it. Let me tell somebody, I, I just feel to pull over and park right now, what you've been looking for, you found it tonight. If you're looking for, if you say, I've been looking for God, you found him tonight. You found him tonight in this church. You might as well go ahead and say, I, I, I know in whom I believe. You ought to come to an altar and let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. But Sister Agnes Osmond, she was, you know, she was very radical, more radical than most of us are today. And, and she, she started speaking in Chinese. And she said, you know what, I, I, I believe God has called me to the mission field. And so she went to the mission field, and she literally preached in Chinese. That was the God gave her the gift of tongues, and she spoke Chinese and was a missionary in China. Now, I'm not saying it lasted long, but I know that it lasted a good long time. And she said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go back to the States 
because there's more people that need this blessing in the states. And so this lady, they, they, they all of a sudden got in, in, in cahoots with a man by the name of, of Seymour. You can put him up there, please. Not, that's Brother Carl, I'm sorry. Brother Seymour. We can put that, that man right there. Brother Seymour didn't have the Holy Ghost. He could barely read, but he said, I, I've got to experience whatever it is that these people have. And so he went out to California, and he was in Los Angeles, one of the worst places you could possibly imagine. And, and he said, you know what, I, I'm just going to try to tell people about this Pentecostal blessing. He said, I ain't even got it yet, but I know that it's real. See, some of us in here, we got the blessing and don't believe it's real. But he said, I ain't even got it yet, and I know that it's real. And he stood behind a pulpit without the Holy Ghost and said, baby, you need the Holy Ghost. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing, but you need the Holy Ghost. And Brother Seymour started calling a meeting at this house called the Bonnie Bray House. You can put that up there, Maddie. Bonnie Bray House people, hundreds of people, would gather outside this house to hear Brother Seymour preach, but he said that he got aggravated and agitated because nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. So he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to call a 10-day fast, and, and we're going to believe that somebody is going to get the Holy Ghost during this fast. And that fast went on for exactly four days. And he stood up on the porch of that, of that little house, and he began to preach. And as they were all sitting there, see, some of you hungry now waiting on me to get done. But see, he, he said, he said, I don't care what you feel like. I'm going to preach this, and I'm going to preach it till it's done. And when he began to preach, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost fell on him, and he started speaking in tongue. And then the Holy Ghost fell all over that place. There was hundreds of people standing in a yard getting the Holy Ghost. You want to know what was happening? God was responding to hunger. So Brother Seymour, he started this thing called the Azusa Street Mission. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you've never been to L.A., you, you, you should go. Not for the city. But you should go and visit all these landmarks. I've been, I've stood outside the Bonnie Bray House. I stood at the corner of where that building no longer stands anymore, but I've stood at the corner where they have it marked off in downtown and the sign that says the Azusa Street Mission. And I'm going to tell you something, church. When, when you're standing outside of these, these landmark moments in Pentecost, and you see what, where we've come from. See, we used to be the people across the track that had to sell peanut brittle just to make the bills. And, and, and what you mentioned, kids, y'all are spoiled. They used to have to raise pigs, and they used to make the kids raise the pigs. But see, we've we gotten so far away from that, we don't even, see, now we got custom suits, and, and you look good in your dainty jewel dress. I thank God for our apostolic women looking good. But I'm going to tell you something, church. We better not let that decide what we're going to do when we come into the house of God. Some of you still trying to pretty Pentecost, but the devil is a lie. It wasn't meant to be pretty. Brother Seymour, he was preaching this message. You know what's very interesting? They had this name, Apostolic Faith, but they weren't Jesus' name. Because the Jesus' name message, the, the baptism of, of Jesus' name had not yet got, they ain't got the revelation yet. Now, don't get me wrong. There was people that had it. 
don't, don't think for a moment this message has ever been lost in time. The devil is a lie. There's always been a remnant of people who believe in Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is just a moment when it became more widespread known. And so he had not gotten the revelation yet, but he had gone through so much. He had seen so much. And then during this Azusa, now let me tell you something about Azusa Street. They had church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They had it at 2 p.m., and then they had it again at 6 p.m. They had church so much, my God, they ought to have been flying on clouds. And what they would do, they would come into church, and instead of the preacher having a message and just trying to sermonize the people, they would sit there and they would pray until God gave a word in the house. Oh, yeah. See, now in Pentecost, we, we got our schedule. We, the singing can't go past 20, 20 minutes, and the preacher can't preach past 30 minutes. But, my God, they said, we need a move of God so badly in our day. We need God to move. Why? Because we got the devil sitting outside our door waiting to consume us. We need God. And while they were having that revival, for three years, three long years, there was a man that wandered into the revival, came all the way from Tennessee, or Texas, I believe, I'm sorry. His name was Brother G.T. Haywood. Put his picture up. Brother Haywood came to that meeting at Azusa Street, and this is, you you, you got to read the, bi- the book that, that he wrote, that someone wrote about him, I'm sorry. And, and this is what's so profound to me, because we're living in a day where they want us to believe that black folks and white folks can't get along and, and that there's a race war among us. But, but this is what Brother Haywood said. He said that when he walked into that place and he looked around, he saw white folks and black folks praying together, Asian folks and Chinese folks. They was praying together in unity. And this is what he said. He said the color line was washed away by the blood. You want to know how we deal with racism in our world today? Get the Holy Ghost, baby. It'll deal with all that mess. Oh, I feel something breaking in the house right now. Hey, this ain't a white revival. It's not a black revival. It's a whosoever will revival. God do it in Jesus' name. He said the color line was washed away by the blood. He said, I don't know what this is. But I've got to tell everybody. Well, see, here's Brother Haywood. He went back home, and his wife got the Holy Ghost. He got the Holy Ghost. Then he went to Indianapolis and started what is today the oldest Pentecostal church in the United States of America, Christ Temple. I've been to Christ Temple. It's a beautiful church right nestled on a corner in Indianapolis. But I'm going to tell you something about Christ Temple that breaks my heart. They were renovating not too long ago. And they had a flyer that had Bishop Haywood's face on it. They were painting the walls. And the paint was dripping. And they used the flyer as a paint catcher. Brother Mooney was there with us and he said, do you understand what that is? Do you understand what that means to so many people? And they said, well, Brother Mooney, if if this church is ever going to go forward, we've got to forget the past. 
Let me tell you something, Pentecostals. We better not ever get so foolish in thinking that we need to go against the past. I understand the past is the past. But, hey, if we're going to go forward, we better remember where we came from. We better remember that it wasn't always this nice. We better remember it wasn't always air conditioned. There was brush harbors that people had to build so we could have revival. Brother Haywood, he he was a man who was so adamant about the one God message. He said, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Not just a few people, not just my household, not just a few backsliders, not just a few. He said, everybody ought to know. Because there's power in this one message. Brother Haywood had an understanding of the bridegroom. I believe it was a godly obsession. My pastor even says it's a godly obsession that he had to let everybody know about the bridegroom and how he was coming soon. This is what I'm going to tell you, church. I fervently believe that God's coming any day now. And I'm telling you, it's not time. I know I keep saying it, but I'll keep saying it till it gets in somebody's head. It ain't time to be playing church. It ain't time to be patty cake and Pentecost. It ain't time to be pretty Pentecost. It's time to get our hands in the field. It's time to get our hands dirty in the field. These men that I've named, you can see more. There was a camp meeting. They were all invited to it. It's called the Arroyo Seco Camp. At that Arroyo Seco Camp meeting, this was an Assemblies of God camp meeting. These people did not have the revelation, baptism in Jesus' name. I'm just explaining to you a couple of landmarks we have. Is that okay? These people, they were just having church like they normally have. Now, you know, the assembly of God used to shout like we shout. Well, I say that, but now we don't shout like that. Well, you get offended, and maybe I'm talking to you. But, but the, these people used to have church, and, and that was a crazy Hispanic preacher come running down saying, hold on a minute. There, there's, there's some, I got a revelation of something here. And he got to preaching and telling them, we've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And these people, now see, you got to understand something. In that day, it, it, you, there was nothing that was quite scripted. Church wasn't scripted like usual, you know. Now we've got our script. And I, I'm not against order and stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. Every now and again, we need to take this thing and say, God, whatever you want to do in the house. If you want to give us revelation, if you want to, if you want to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost in the middle of worship service, God, you have liberty to do it. God, if you want to, if somebody needs to be baptized in the middle of church, we willing to do it, God. And this man got to telling them of this Jesus name revelation he just got. And they went over to the river that's just next to it. I'm telling you, I've been down there. It's beautiful. See, now it's like a little basketball and all that stuff, but, but they still got some of the remnants of that campground over there. And you go over there, I'm telling you, you can feel. You can feel. It's like, it's like an old anointing that begins to flow when you step on that ground. I, I've been there with, with Brother Booker and, and some other great men of God, and they said, listen, this, this is where, where it really became known that, that Jesus was the name of Almighty God. This is where the revelation became more widespread that Jesus is the name of Almighty God. 
he said that it spread like a wildfire. He said, and all these people, keep in mind, the, uh, the, the Azusa Street Revival is still going on. Now, Royal Seco just happened. And now, we're sitting in Tolos for a few weeks. And then this is where we are, we, we've gotten into more modernized church. Let me tell you something. There were men and women that left these organizations because they said, we're not going to compromise on the Jesus name message. There was folks that said, hey, I understand that you might think it doesn't matter the way you're baptized. He, but they said, no, it matters the way you're baptized. Because last I checked, he said, you got to do it one way. There ain't but one way to God. And, well, I wish some one God apostolics would start preaching with me. Am, am I in an apostolic church? I, I thought this would be an easy message to preach. I, I'm talking about doctrine. I'm talking about what gets you saved. They said, we're not going to go against Acts 2.38. We're not going to go against the scriptures that, that are adamant that you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. They said, so we're going to do it in Jesus' name. And there were people that got baptized, rebaptized at that camp meeting. That, video, that picture right there is of people going down in Jesus. And preachers and pastors that went down in Jesus' name and said, no, we're not going to do this Trinitarian message. We're going to do that one God message because we got the revelation and we're standing on a firm foundation. And you understand something today, church. I I'm thankful for the old path. I, 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 I'll just be honest with you. Most of you know my story already. I'm not trying to retell it or anything like that. But, but I remember, and I'm sure if you were at that Nettleton church, you remember too. That Nettleton church, I remember we come in the pre-service prayer. Young ladies be in that prayer room. I mean, my God, you would have thought a Holy Ghost bomb went off in that church. There were services where the women wouldn't even come out of the prayer room. Then we'd just start service and they'd start dwindling out in the Holy Ghost. There were services on the first song. We, we'd be singing and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost began to move in that church and people would shake under the anointing of God and people would move under the anointing of God and people felt the whole, and we had sinners coming to that building and they would shake and they would cry because the conviction of God would settle into that room. And, and church, I'm telling you, if we get away from the landmark, we will lose that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm not interested in changing the message. I want to preach it the way my elders preached it. I want to preach it stronger than I've ever preached it. I want to preach it straight. I want to say, God, you better do it in Jesus' name. Because I'll be honest with you, we call it the old time way, but it, it's not an old way. It's the way God gave it to us. It's the way he intends on us to operate. It's the way he intends on his church to be. Hey, I'm not going against holiness. I'm not going against separation. I'm not going against prayer meetings. I'm not going against preaching. God, we need it now more than ever. That's the scary word. Some of y'all got nervous. Y'all ready for me to harp on holiness. And I'm not going to. But I will tell you this, church. We, if we ever get away from holiness, we'll lose everything else we have. Mm. 
if we lose this message of holiness and separation, we'll lose every, everything else will become unraveled because that's the thread that's keeping us together. Well, you can believe it or not believe it, but I'm telling you, I've seen too many places, too many churches that have fallen by the wayside because the first thing that left was holiness. And that's thing you know, women started cutting their hair and men started, well, hello, somebody. I, 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 I might get in trouble now, but I can't help it. That's what the Bible tells me. Hey, we don't do that mess in the church of the living God. We will be apostolic. But I'm gonna tell you something. I, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten a little upset with some folks. Okay, don't get worried on me now. But we in Pentecost, I believe, some of us have emphasized holiness on our women so much we forget holiness on our men. And our men get to slip through the cracks, and our women get beat up about holiness. I'm thankful for all you women in this room. I'm going to give you a break tonight, okay? But I'm going to tell you men something. Our holiness might not be so much on the outside, but God said you need to deal with your heart, sir. So let me ask you a question. How are you treating your wife, sir? How are you treating your kids, sir? You think you get to slip through the cracks? No, you got to treat your family right. The Bible says a man of God is going to be temperate. He's going to be slow to anger. Because I'll be honest with you, I could preach on holiness to our women all day long, but if one of you young men ain't got your heart together, it wouldn't mean anything how she's dressed. You're still going to be deceitful. Because here's the truth of the matter. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be straight because y'all ain't preaching me no way, so I guess I'll just go keep on preaching. But, but here's the truth of the matter. It, 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 if I, I'm just going to use myself. I ain't going to look at nobody. If I sat here and I harped on holiness, holiness, holiness to our women, thank God for our women. Our women carry the burden the most. But if I go around and I treat our women terribly, then what does that say about me? Hey, that's what the, I know you men done got quiet on me because when I get to talk about men's holiness, nobody likes that conversation, but I'm going to have it with you anyway. Because at the end of the day, you're called to treat our women, we're called to treat our women well. How are we going to tell the world how to treat their women and we messing around with our women? Maybe I got to come downstairs a little bit so you can hear me better. We better learn, Pentecostal men, that we are the leaders of the church, and we better treat our women right. And, and I'm not trying to pick at nobody, but I fervently believe that the reason why divorce is skyrocketing in Pentecost is because we got a bunch of men that don't know how to treat women right. And your wife is looking holy and beautiful, and thank God she prays, and then you are um, carnal as a goat. The Bible reminds me that we are t- the men now. I'm not, all you women, you can be seated, thank God. But all you, all you men, I want you to hear me right now. The Bible says that men are to lead our family. See, I didn't get no amens. I, I, that's all right. I'm going to stay right here, okay? Uh, the Bible says that when Moses and them come up out of the Red Sea, he didn't say the women led the praise break. What he said, he said the men started singing. And then Miriam and them grabbed their tambourine. And see, then we come into church, and all of us men, 
we get a pass because the women hollering. And your wife running the aisles, but you. And your children worshiping, but you. And you wonder why your house is out of order. I know y'all saying, well, Brother White, you're not even married. It doesn't matter. It's a biblical principle. You better believe when I do get married, my wife ain't going to out-shout me. My wife ain't going to out-dance me. My children ain't going to have to learn how to worship from somebody else. They're going to learn from daddy. Because worship is a landmark for the Pentecostal church. See, I'm going a little long, but I, you know what? I've gotten about 50%. So when I get to 60%, I'll let Sister Sheila come up here and play piano and get you thinking I'm going to wrap up. Because worship, this is a thing we are supposed to do. I, I, nobody should have to come in here and pump you up to worship. Nobody should have to come in here and command you to clap your hands. Nobody should have to come in here and play the right song for you to know to worship God. I guess my question to you is, is he good or is he not good? If he's not good, then I guess you're excused to sit there on your pew. But if he's good, if he's good, if he's good, because when I get to thinking about the goodness of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for me, can't help myself. I gotta praise him every now and again. I gotta shout every now and again. Oh, come on, Daddy. Show your children how to praise him. Come on, fathers. Show your kids how to worship. I'll tell you something real quick, okay? I'm coming somewhat to a close. But I got to let you know something. Take your seat for a minute. Give you a little time. I was raised, as many of you know, without a father. My dad, he was a scoundrel. You know that old song, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. That was my dad. See, I had to See, even when I was attending church here, my grandmother would, would call me and say, Xavier, I, I need you. She called me Xavier. She said, I need you to go pick up your daddy. I said, where is he? He's over somewhere drunk. She gave me the keys to her car, and I had to go pick up my dad. Keep in mind, I'm about 16, 17 years old, and I'm having to pick up a 30-something-year-old man that didn't know how to be a father. Because his daddy didn't know how to be a father. His daddy didn't know how to be a father. And so, my daddy, he always tried to get me to drink. Every time, I could have told him my throat was hurting. He thought that the answer was alcohol. And I'll never forget, finally one day, I went to the house after church. And I had on my suit, and my daddy, I wish I had brought the photo for you. My daddy had on shorts and a polo shirt. I'm just telling you why, why this message means so much to me, okay? You may not like it, and that's okay. 
But I remember I went over to the house and my grandma wanted to take a photo of us. And when my grandma did, my aunt, she looked at the photo, she said, Zabie, you ought to be wearing what your daddy got on, and he ought to be wearing what you got on. See, that ain't how he thought. He thought the world was his oyster. Eventually, the world turned on me. When I was 19 years old, just a year after I graduated, a year to the date, I graduated May 15th. This was May 15th the very next year. My father, I got the phone call. I went to a youth rally in Memphis, and uh, I got the phone call. They said, hey, Xavier, I, I just need you to know, your daddy's been shot and killed. I'll never forget. I, I didn't know how to respond. Zach was with me, Zach Elliott. And uh, he was the first person I told. I said, I said, Zach, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, but I just feel like I got to say it so it can be real to you. He said, okay. I said, my daddy was shot and killed tonight. Zach just got quiet. He said, well, you want to say anything else? I said, no, we just, we'll just get home and yada, yada, yada. And so I got home, and uh, my, I told my mom, told my family, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something. That, that, that was a, a, a very, that was a landmark moment for me. Because let me tell you what happened that night. That night I made up my mind. I said, God, you ain't never got to worry about me going out doing that mess. I'm never, my wife is never going to have to worry about where I'm at. My children ain't never going to have to worry about where I'm at. I, God, if you want to make me a preacher, God, I'll do whatever you called me to do. But one thing I know for sure, I'm not pursuing the world. I've seen it destroy too many people. Hey, I've got an eight-year-old sister that don't even know what her daddy looks like because he messed up in the world. But I'm going to tell you, church, that'll never be the testimony for Xavier White. Why? Because that was a landmark moment for me. And so all my life, Mostly, most of my life since I came into the church at just 12 years old, I've always looked to my pastor as a father figure. I've always looked to my pastor to, for answers. I know Brother Davis got sick and tired of me in Nettleton. And I know Brother Robbins got sick and tired of me here in Tupelo. But one thing about it, I'm so thankful that I had a man of God who put his arm around me and said, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. I, I can help you if you'll let me help you. This is what he said. He said, if you go after the old path, then there is a good way. And he said, I've given you a watchman. And that watchman can tell you the way you need to go. So this message means so much to me because I didn't have a daddy that gave it to me. But thank God I had pastors that showed me this Bible. And they made it the pearl of great price to me. They made it more important than anything to me. They said, hey, you need to follow this book with everything you have. I love this message way too much to go against it. Because there were some landmark moments. And they decided where I would be tonight. Because there are landmarks as a church. But then there are individual landmarks. And I can't help but pose the question to you again tonight, church. Where are the landmarks? <coughs> where are your landmarks? If you don't have any landmarks today, you might just be wandering around the wilderness not knowing where you're supposed to go. But if, you, if you've been wandering far too long and you're ready to change direction, you need to look for the landmarks. 
If you ain't got any, you just say, well, let me go back to the church's landmarks, and then maybe I can find my way from there. But, baby, you better get the landmarks. You better go and find the old path. You better go and say, i got to get back to prayer. I've got to get back to travailing. I've got to get back to fasting. I've got to get back to the anointing. I've got to get back to old-time way. I've got to get back to... Come on, Sister Kitchen. I guess I'll get a post. Many years ago, there was a song that Pentecost used to sing. It just simply said, Lord, take me back to the old landmarks where I'll make a new commitment and begin a new start. Let me find my direction, place a burden in my heart. Lord, take me back to the old landmarks. I'm going to tell you something, church. The answer for us right now and the way Pentecost is, I'm thankful for great churches like this one. I'm thankful for great churches like Life at Tupelo. I'm thankful for the work that the mansion's doing. But I'm going to tell you something, church. We better get back to the old landmark where we can say, God, whatever you're desiring to do, we've got to go forward, Lord. We've got to go forward, Lord. We've got to go forward, Lord. Every now and again, we might have to look back to see where we've been. But God, help us to keep going forward. Stand with me all over this building. Come on, church, won't you lift your hands and begin to pray right now? Won't you lift your hands and really begin to pray right now? God, we need you in the house. Oh, come on, church, don't be timid right now. You need to lift your voice with some authority and begin to pray. Come on, pray against whatever is binding your house. Pray against whatever is binding the move of the Spirit right now. Pray against that Spirit that doesn't want this place to prosper. Pray against what's keeping you in your pew right now. I'm going to tell you something, church. Wait just a moment. We've been, I've been here, I don't even know, several days. And something I've noticed is we'll start praying and we'll get to a place then we'll just fall off. Let me tell you something. We need to push on past that tonight. Don't, don't, don't just fall off and stop praying. But you need to keep on praying until you feel a breakthrough. No, I mean that, church. You need to keep on praying until you feel a breakthrough tonight. Listen, we had people in this house praying earlier today and thank God that they showed up. But well, I'm telling you something, church, you, you, you'll really get there if you just keep on pushing past and just falling off. You need to say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm going to stay right here until you bless me. I'm going to stay right here until you touch me. I'm going to stay right here until I feel a breakthrough. Oh, come on, church, lift your voice and pray with me right now. Oh, God, we need you, Jesus. Lord, touch us, God. God, move in the place God speaks to 